Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. Thank you for joining us for episode 11. On this one, we're going to be talking about things that you can get yourself prepared for the future. Is the future higher prices for foods? Are foods going to be abundantly available as always? I don't know, and neither do you. But let's be prepared for that together. Here's some. We're going to talk about some things that will get us ready for that. I'd like to have a quick word from Ben Gepford. Hi, this is Tech Sergeant Gepford. Here at After Hours, we like to draw strength from those that have gone before us and lived through hard times. Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death by Patrick Henry is one of my favorite quotes from history. And for the last two years, that quote has always stuck with me and has really rang true. Tech Sergeant Gepford, out. Thank you, Tech Sergeant Gepford. And yes, we all need liberty or there is certainly death. Please reach out to us at afterhours at 1791.com. That's afterhours at 1791.com. Look us up on CloudHub at Dr. Sigloff. Look us up on Instagram at afterhours with Dr. Sigloff. Look up some of our friends. Terminal CWO on Instagram. And also check out Truth for Health Foundation. That's truthforhealth.org. Truthforhealth.org. As they're one of our partners and one of our friends. This past week, there's been some chatter in some different text groups I'm in about, well, I need to get prepared. I need to be ready. And people asking questions and you know, other people giving advice and, and other people just kind of listening and trying to get advice and, and everyone learning new things, which is great. That's what I love, love to see. Now, I think everyone should be prepared in their home. But now, preparedness is a way of life. It's not just something that you do one time. But if, let's say you haven't been living a life of preparedness. Now is a good time to, to start changing your, your footing. Some people are going to have just a couple packages of ketchup in their fridge. And other people are going to be ready to survive, you know, for 10 years completely off the grid with no help from outside. You know, that's not most people. Both of those extremes are not most people. But what are things that you should be ready for? Well, everything I'm going to talk about today is is going to also be useful, let's say, if, if nothing bad happens over the next six months, nine months, a year. If there, let's say, you live in an area where there's hurricanes or you live in an area where there's uh, fires or, or any sort of natural disaster, the things that we're going to talk about are still going to be helpful. So it's not like it's, this is going to be a waste of money or a waste of time to do these things. That's one thing about being American is the, the rugged individualism that's so important to Americans that we have begun to lose that we need to regain and that rugged individualism means that I can do this on my own and I'm willing to help my neighbor. So what are some things that we should think about? Well, there's different, there's different aspects of our life that we need to think about. Right? So there's home, there's medical, there's entertainment, there's items that we need to have to barter, there's defense. So let's first start with the home. In this home category, we're going to start with food first. What kind of things do you like to eat? What kind of things do you have laying around already that will be just fine if you have no power? 
or you'll be just fine if there's no power for the next 12 hours, 24 hours, or a week. So what are some things that you can do? Well, let's say you don't have a lot of money. You can start by adding a few extra items. Let's say there's a couple canned items for sale. And instead of just buying one, what if you buy two this time when you go to the store? Because I guarantee you the food today is cheaper than food in the future. And so any food that you can buy now that's shelf-stable, that will last, is probably a very good idea, a safe bet, if you will. Make sure you have a way to open said cans, right? Like you don't want to like starve to death because you didn't have a can opener. A can opener, a can opener. My kingdom for a can opener, right? You don't want to be in that situation. So make sure you have all the ancillary items that are needed. Those are what we call implied tasks. It's an implied task to make sure you have a can opener. And probably one of the best kind would be the really old ones that your grandma or great-grandma had where you just clamp it on, you turn a wheel, and it and it slowly cuts it rather than relying on battery-powered because eventually you might run out of battery power. There are some other different types of long-storage food that's available. There is My Patriot Supply sells some some boxes that are Depending on what you select, it could be enough food for a person three meals a day for a week, enough food for one person for three meals a day for a month or three months or six months, depending on what package, how much you want to spend. I'm sure many people who are listeners are have some MREs around, laying around, unused, or have friends that have MREs laying around. Those are great to have. But what if you don't have all those things? Let's say you're a hunter. You've got lots of meat, right? How did the ancient, let's say, natives in this area, the area that you live in, I live in Arizona now, how did they store food for long periods of time? Look into that. Explore that. Because, I mean, we, we, we could have a shortage of items, but what if we're thrown in the 1700s all of a sudden? What if the power grid is so unstable that it's just basically non-existent? I mean, life would change so much at that point that it would be a different way of living, survival. Food, water, shelter would be your number one priorities. But not allowing your food to go bad, that's important. Possibly watching some videos on YouTube about how to smoke meat so it stays good for a while. Or how to dry meat or cure meat. And then the added benefit is you get to eat some really cool foods because you get to make them. And some of those things can last a while. So one, one last food thing that I'd like to discuss with you, if you have the money, not everybody has the money, um, but it's, it's very, it's a cool device. It's called a Harvest Right freeze dryer. And what's really neat about it is you freeze dry food. Same type of food like the astronauts take into space with them. If you've ever had astronaut ice cream where it's freeze dried and it's, it's like real ice cream, but it doesn't have to be refrigerated, you can make your own. And what's really cool about it is if you do it the right way and you store it the right way, it can be good. They advertise up to 25 years. I've eaten things three years old that I've made. Um, and that's mainly because I can't wait any longer because I'm just, it's delicious and I like eating it. Um, you can do meat, you can do fruit, uh, you can do just about anything you'd like in there. So consider that. It's really great for morale. Remember, morale is a big part of this thing. We got to keep hearts and minds of family, of friends, all wanting to survive if tough times get really hard. And so, you know, whipping out some 
ice cream all of a sudden out of a mason jar that's been preserved from like two years ago. That's a big morale booster. It's really good. Other shelf-stable things, ghee. So ghee is clarified butter. And what's great about ghee is it can sit on your shelf and you don't have to refrigerate it. Once it's open, you still don't have to refrigerate it. And ghee is really important because it, it has essential fatty acids in there. So it's fuel for your body. It's healthy for your body. About 70% of my intake every day is saturated fat, and ghee is a type of saturated fat. Cast iron. You can fry your meat. Let's say it's meat that you've bought. Let's say it's meat that you've caught. You can fry it in the ghee and then eat the ghee with it. And now your body and your everyone in your family has everything they need. They have all the nutrients and all of the calories that their body needs. Another part of the home is water. You need to have water available. So what does that mean? Well, there's this cool device called the water bob. Look it up sometime. Uh, I've had one. I've had. I've used it once um, when I lost power for about three days. We didn't know how long it was going to be. And so we filled it up the moment the power went out. And that's how this works. Is The moment you think there's going to be a water shortage or you think there's not going to be any power, you fill up this water. It's called water bob. And it's a giant bladder that goes inside of your bathtub. And it turns your bathtub into a giant water storage device. And so... What we did is we filled that up and then we had other water resources. But eventually, if you're out of power for long enough, the water does not flow through your home. And so now you've got a bathtub or maybe two or three bathtubs, however many you have, filled with water, drinkable water. It's got a little pump that you can siphon off some of that water to drink it or bathe in it or cook it with it or whatever you need to do with it. Do you have any pets? Have you considered what you're going to feed your pets? Do you have an extra ration of food laying around? Let's say you buy, let's say you have dogs. You buy one bag of dog food and you use it up and you go buy another dog food bag. What if you buy two dog food bags next time? You use one up and you buy one. And so now you always have an entire dog food bag left over. That way your dog doesn't have to feel the pain and the pressure of not eating. Do you have kids at home? Things to think about with them. If they're young and they're fast-growing, which all all young kids grow quick, outgrow their clothes so quick, or put holes in them, buy the next size up. Buy the next size up shoes. Are you homeschooling? Right now is a perfect time to buy next year's books because you know you're going to use them. Why wait until then when they may not be available? Just a sidebar, any book that you want to have in your house, get it in your house. If there's a book that you really like and you have it on digital media, have a print copy in your home. Whether that be the Bible, whether that be a constitution or the Declaration of Independence or any history book. The wife and I have been building a private library for our children even before we had children. And the idea is that if we have it in our house, then we always have that information available. No one can ever erase it off of my hard drive or make it not available on the cloud. It's always with me. Let's talk about some medical things that might be important to know. Have you ever taken a class on first aid? If you haven't, 
there are videos available. Make sure it's a reputable source. You don't want to learn bad things. But start your education now. One, it's never bad to be overprepared. Two, the moment someone's life is in jeopardy, you want to be useful and have the knowledge and the skills to be able to help the most you can at that time. And so if you're able to take any sort of first aid classes, I highly recommend it. Things like stop the bleed classes. Look in your local area to see if you can find a stop the bleed class. Those are great because that's the most important thing is stop the bleeding so that you can do all the other things later. First aid kit really shouldn't have just like band-aids and neosporin in it. It should have tourniquets, should have all of these things that the stop the bleed talks about. So if you can get one, that would be a great thing to do. Think of things in your environment that could be dangerous to you and learn how to be safe around them. Or if you do something that's dangerous, make sure it's a calculated risk. Because there may be a time when people may not be able to call the ambulance and have them show up as quickly or show them show up at all or even call in the future. And so you need to be prepared. Have some medications for acute illness laying around. So that's you know, ibuprofen, Tylenol, uh, children's Motrin, children's Tylenol, aspirin. Make sure you have all of the supplies that every person in your household needs. Sanitary pads for women. Diapers for babies. If you have an elderly person in your home who's using uh, adult diapers, make sure you have them. This is a time to just kind of sit down and think of things that you can do now. Reasonable things that you can do. Things that you will have to buy anyways. But now you're just buying them a little early so you have a little extra on hand. A little extra, a little more ready to go. If you have chronic medical conditions, now's a great time to ensure that you have extra medications, especially if they're necessary for life to have them on hand in case you can't get a resupply. However, the best way to handle chronic illness is to optimize your body by putting in peak fuel so that you can have peak performance. And that is typically done with carnivore. It's also good to get books on home fixes. This is a great time to get some books on home remedies. Now, I want to advise you that some of those home remedies may be some of those home remedies may be not useful. Some of them may be harmful. So make sure you're picking good resources. But it's good to know what ancient therapies people used in your geographic area. Something to think about. What did the natives who used to live in whatever geographical area you're in, what did they use as medicine? That ancient knowledge should not be completely lost, especially if we go into a time when there's no power for extended periods of time. Because then basically we're back in that same time period. right? So what did humans in your area use? What type of plants did they use? And how did they use them? If you can find a book on that, then that's good to have laying around just in case. So now that we've talked about 
the home, and we've talked about medical issues. Some of you may have a pretty nice, nifty, and robust cachet, if you will, or collection, private stock of things in your home. And if you've been doing this right, hopefully you haven't told too many people of these nice things that you have in your home. Food, water, medical supplies, right? Because there's some bad people out there, especially if times get really bad. People can act very maliciously. So that leads us right into our next topic. How do I keep what's mine, mine? It's obvious. There are some self-defense things that you should have in your home. You should have a weapon. We'll start with knives first. Everyone should have knives. They're great for cooking. They're great for hunting. They're great for... They're a last ditch for self-defense. You don't want to have to use a knife. You have to be way too close. And if and if anybody else has a knife that you're fighting, they will cut you. You'll be cut. It'll be bad. And it will be very, very bad. So don't ever try and fight someone with a knife. And, and in fact, in this type of situation, you don't ever want to have to fight anybody if you can. Because anytime you're fighting anybody, you're at risk of hurting yourself and removing yourself as help for your family. But again, let's get back to You've got all these nice things in your home and you want to keep all these nice things yours. You don't want someone to come along and take them from you. And you never want to have to use force if you don't have to. That is the last thing ever. Because anytime you're using force, there's a good chance that that it won't work out well for both parties. So we never want to use force if we don't have to. But things that you should have. You should have a primary weapon is what we call it, which is a rifle. And you should have some training on that. It's completely irresponsible to have firearms and not know how to use them, not know how to keep them away from your children, not know how to keep them away from people that should not have them. So the implied task is to make sure that you are trained well enough on every system that you have so that you're safe, so that you're effective, so that you can do what you want to do. Your primary weapon is a rifle. There's lots of different choices out there. Just because I pick it and I talk about it doesn't mean it's the best choice. It just, it's a choice. There are reasons why I have the choices, why I have used the choices that I have. And to me, they're very good reasons. Most of the reasons that I use to choose a firearm is ballistics, terminal ballistics. It matters less how big the bullet is, and it matters more how fast the bullet's traveling. So the primary weapon that I like is a rifle that is... And the rifle that I have the most experience with because of military service is the AR-15 platform and the 5.56 round. And again, look at the terminal ballistics. You know, there's people much more qualified to teach you about that than than I, and so I will not. But it works great. It works great for self-defense. And a secondary weapon 
And there's reasons why there's primary and secondary. Primary means that's the first thing you should use if you have it available. Pistol. Pistol is a secondary weapon. I use my pistol to fight my way to get to my rifle. If I had a cannon, I would use my rifle to fight my way to get to the cannon. If I had a fighter jet, I'd use my cannon to get to fight my way to the fighter jet. That's the way you should think about it. But so let's go back to the pistol. You need something that that you're familiar with, that you feel safe using, so you've had to have had a class about it. I encourage everyone to go get a concealed carry permit if you feel safe doing that. And most states have a class that you need to go to. And if they don't have a class that you need to go to, I encourage you to go to a class because you'll learn many things there about self-defense and how it is the last, last, last resort. So what pistol is best for you? Well, that's the pistol that you can shoot, that you can shoot well so that you put a bullet exactly where you mean to put the bullet every time you pull that trigger. So what is the best pistol? The best pistol is the best pistol that you can hold well, that you can control, that you can put a bullet where you need it to go every single time. It's the one that you can train with the most. So whatever caliber that ends up being, whatever size or compact, full size, whatever. And whatever you end up concealing carrying, if you do that, it's best to practice with that one the most. Or only that one. That way, there's never any concern in your mind, which pistol did I bring today? What buttons do I need to push to make it function when I need it to function? So that you know it inside and out, and that's the only one that you use. So for every firearm you have in your home, a good kind of rule of thumb that I've learned through the years is you should have about a 1,000 rounds for every weapon and about 10 magazines for every weapon. And all 10 of those magazines should be loaded. Because why not? When you need it, you need it. You don't have time to go load a magazine. And the magazines that I have are Magpul. They work great. The Marines use them. They work great. Wish the Army could use them. Because they work great. And Magpul makes magazines for AR-15 platforms and they also make magazines for Glock style pistols they work very well and they're less expensive than the Glock magazine but you also don't want to spend too little on a magazine because most firearm malfunctions are caused by the magazine they don't feed properly and then the weapon jams and the last thing you need to do is try and pull a trigger when you need to pull the trigger and nothing happens. If you're unable to get training done, start watching videos. Start learning just to get the concepts going. Now, if you could pay to go to a class, that would be the best. That's by far the best. If you can join a local shooting club and go out and do pistol shooting every week, every other week, every month, well, that's even better. Well, let's say you can't do that. Let's say you live in a little apartment in the middle of a city. Well, there's devices out there where you can do dry fire practice. There's all sorts. I have personal experience with iTarget Pro. I love it. It's great. But there's other ones out there that I haven't personally used them, but they look like they're really good. 
look into those. See if if that can help you get used to holding the firearm, pulling the trigger. See if that laser hits where you want it to. Now, again, I have to warn you that that's very, very different than actually pulling a trigger and having to manage that recoil. But at least you're you're holding the weapon more. You're getting comfortable with it. So that when you actually, you know, we pray the day never comes when you have to use it. But if you had to, you'd be more comfortable with it. Other things. We have to remember morale. Morale is how happy is everybody, right? Because And joyful may be a better term. And so things that we should always think about are, what can we do to bring a little bit of joy? Maybe it's a, it's a book, easy reading book, a novel, something fun to read. Maybe it's some board games. Maybe playing cards. Whatever it is, have that stuff on hand. Maybe it's that freeze-dried ice cream we talked about. Just to kind of get everybody a smile. When I lived in Oklahoma, we lost power once for three days. It was winter, and it was cold. I mean, it's not like Alaska cold, but it got down to 40 degrees in the home. And it was me, my wife, and my, at the time, six-month-old son. So what I did to help with morale, this was before I was eating carnivore, but the morale part is so important that this may be even a useful thing to do now is I had a Dutch oven, which is a cast iron pot. (laughs) There's a different type of Dutch oven. Don't use those. That's not what we're talking about. This is the cast iron pot. And so I made bread because I had the yeast, I had the flour, I had uh, butter, I had everything. And I kneaded it all by hand, and I put it in a pan, and then that pan goes inside of the Dutch oven. And it's called a Dutch oven because it can work like an oven. And you put the the pan on a couple little rocks and and it it takes it off of the bottom of the Dutch oven and now you have air that circulates inside and it heats up evenly from all sides. And so I baked a loaf of bread. It was the best bread that I've ever eaten my entire life. My wife still talks about it. And that lifted those spirits three days into it. We had a neighbor who had a generator come over and, and the neighbor looked miserable. Even though we could hear the generator going, she still looked miserable. We gave them like about half the loaf of bread and and some butter to go with it. And they were just walking on cloud nine. They were so happy. Those little things can lift spirits. Luckily, just a few hours later, we had, had power back on. But those little things, those little, those little things you can kind of keep in your, what we call our hip pocket and pull out and surprise people with. And it just, it brings so much joy and happiness. Have those things available. Let's also talk about bartering. So first, to barter, you must have someone to barter with. Meaning, you must know people's skills. You must know what they can do. And so to, do, to know your neighbor's skills must mean, means you must know your neighbor. So it's important, if you don't have relationships with your neighbor to have relationships with them, to build those, those bonds. Now, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. You don't have to like bring them over dinner every week. That'd be way too much. Or even a couple times a year, you don't have to even do that. Just start waving high. Introduce yourself. Because if something were to happen, let's say you lose power for two or three weeks, you're going to rely on your neighbors. You're going to rely on your neighbors for a couple of reasons. There's things they can do that you can't and vice versa. 
you know, can help each other. If it's for an extended period of time, you can keep people that are trying to come into your neighbor neighborhood, you can keep them out together. If there's people trying to come in your neighborhood, y'all can work together to keep them out. And so you want to know the skills of your, you know, what they do for a living. Know a little about them. Have a, have a rapport with them. And it's also good to have some things that you can barter. Now, this one's a little controversial. Alcohol, right? Controversial because some people have problems with alcohol and should never touch it again. If you're one of those people, don't touch it. Stay away from it. It's not worth the risk. Now, for those of us that don't have problems with alcohol, well, this kind of fits into a couple of categories. Depending on the strength of it, you could use it as fuel. You could use it as something to clean with. You could use it as entertainment. I caution with that. Getting drunk and then having a hangover and getting dehydrated and all that's probably not a good not a good thing to do, but you make your choice. Uh, but it's really good to barter because there will be people who enjoy the alcohol and they will need something to barter and they'll have something that you want and you can now use alcohol to barter with them. Tobacco's in that same kind of category like, like I don't want anybody getting tobacco. I don't think anybody should ever smoke, but some people think of it as a great bartering tool. The only thing is if you use tobacco as a bartering tool, make sure you know how to store it so that it doesn't get damaged beyond repair. Alcohol's a lot more shelf-stable. Other things to have around. Maybe little toolkits so that you can use them to barter with. Or growing items in a garden. Right? So just because you may not eat it doesn't mean you can't exchange it with someone who does eat it for something that you need. Right? So I'm not going to eat vegetables, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to grow a garden full of vegetables. First, most things that people eat well, first, some things that people eat that people think are vegetables are not actually vegetables. They're fruit. Remember, if it has a seed on it or in it, it's a fruit. It's not a vegetable. The vegetables are the body of the plant. But I would grow a vegetable and then trade it for something else. Trade it for meat. Trade it for medical supplies. Trade it for whatever I needed. Trade it to give it to someone's animal to eat. So that, you know, with the idea that whenever they slaughter that animal, I'll get a portion of that. Good time to start investing in your skills. What can you do that others can't that can be helpful to your community? Can you weld? Can you, I don't know, whatever skill. Start working on those things. Can you knit? Can you crochet? Can you make socks? Can you make make clothes? These are all skills that we should all be thinking about. How do I preserve my money? There's lots of talk about, especially in Canada, they shut people off completely. Russia's been shut off completely. That doesn't mean I'm for or against. I'm not speaking about that at all. I don't know who, who's good, who's bad, and I'm not going to comment on that at all. But see what's happening. All the companies leaving, shutting off ties. That could happen here at any time. Right now, it's, it's that country. It could be us tomorrow. It could be you or me tomorrow. Not even the whole country. Especially if we go to, let's say, a digital U.S. dollar. They just shut you off. Oh, this is, so my wife had this idea yesterday, and I think it's just absolutely amazing. So 
everyone wants to get these, get these, you know, Tesla, these electric cars. Oh, because they're so great on the universe. They're so great for the, the environment, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so so let's disregard the fact that you have to use rare earth elements. You have to use dangerous things like lithium and you need all these dangerous compounds and, and the carbon footprint is even bigger than just a regular car that burns hydrocarbons. And let's forget all that. But now you've bought an electric car that costs a lot more. Where do you think that power is coming from? They're burning hydrocarbons to get you the power to to fuel to to charge up your car. But now you've got a means of transportation that could be shut off at any moment. All they have to do is say, well, you know, it looks like Sigaloff's been saying too much on his podcast. Let's go ahead and turn that thing off. All right, now he doesn't have to go anywhere. And he won't go anywhere. Hmm. Interesting. And, and just kind of a side topic about hydrocarbons and burning them. Um, if you remember back to chemistry, like in high school or if you took college chemistry, whenever you burn hydrocarbons, there are two things that are produced. Water and carbon dioxide. Water and carbon dioxide. It's interesting because it's the same thing that you and I breathe off when we breathe. We breathe out water and carbon dioxide. Just as if, which we really are, burning carbohydrates or burning fat. It's not a combustion, but it's a different way of burning it, chemically changing it. And you breathe off water and carbon dioxide. Now, carbon dioxide has been given a terrible name lately. I, I don't really know why. And and the earth heating up, they're, they're saying that, you know, we as humans have such a influence on the earth heating up. But, you know, the earth was cooling down. Now it's heating up and it was cooling on. And so they just made a climate change because it's just too too confusing to figure out which direction we're going. But But let's go back to the water and the carbon dioxide. What needs water and carbon dioxide? What grows when it gets water and it gets carbon dioxide? Plants. So if we have more carbon dioxide floating around the air, then plants do better. What happens when we start taking away, sequestering that carbon dioxide, scrubbing it from the air and putting it somewhere? Because I've heard of projects of people offering that, which is like, that's, that's a horrible idea. Take the carbon dioxide out of our air because, because you think it's going to be helpful? What happens? Plants die. Then cows die. Then humans are gone from the face of the earth. If you want to learn more about that connection between cows and humans and why they're so important, read the book by Rob Wolf called Sacred Cow. And, and he, he lays it all out and how ruminant animals are so critical for human life. Which I, I guess that makes sense now why people worship cows back in the day because they understood that cows were important. Um, but you shouldn't worship the creation. You should worship the creator at all times. But cows are incredibly important. And if people had their way and they eradicated the face of the earth of cows because of cow farts, which is absurd. Really, cows burp, not fart, but whatever. There'd be no humans left. Don't take my word for it. Go read that book, Sacred Cow, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And, and he explains it very well. And, and there's ways to raise cows that actually sequester carbon into the soil. Look at White Oak Farms. Wife and I went there um, a long time ago when I was in residency when we lived in Georgia. And it 
the grass is so lush and beautiful and the meat tastes so good. If every farmer did that, oh man, we'd be great. Which means my next point, um, this is part of the bartering system and the bartering system is needed. Well, for a bartering system to work, you must have a local economy. So with everything that we've discussed so far, try and do it as much local as you can. Buy from this guy down the street that has a bunch of cows in his field. Say, hey, I'll buy half a cow when you start slaughtering. And I'll buy it from you, not from someone else. If you have another friend, because let's say half a cow is too much, get a friend or four friends or three friends and, and split up that cow, the payment of that cow. That way it doesn't have to be sold by the farmer to someone who's going to pay him, underpay him for that cow, who's going to go to the slaughter and then overcharge you at the store. You take all that out and you keep it right right nearby. Go local. It's a great idea. Keep everything as local as you can. That way you're less dependent on those in foreign countries who can control you. Other things to consider, gold and silver. Gold prices are going up. Silver prices are going up. I suspect they will only go up even more in the future. And gold is not as quite as liquid. That's a economic term, liquid. It means how fast can I spend it? It's not as liquid as as cash, but it also doesn't lose its value as quick as cash. Silver has less value per size, per weight, and so it's better for your everyday transactions. Let's say you want to buy, you know, a couple of eggs from someone. You'd rather give them a junk silver coin than give them a gold coin, right? You don't want to give them like a couple thousand dollars for a couple of eggs. That's foolish. And what's also nice about gold and silver is that it keeps its, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, There's, it's boggled my mind why people have always thought gold and silver has been worth it. But for whatever reason, gold and silver has maintained its purchasing power for almost all time. King Solomon had lots of gold and he was very wealthy because he had gold. I don't know what the value was because you can't eat it, drink it or do other things with it, especially back then. Nowadays, we use it in electronics. But for whatever reason, it was valuable then, it's valuable today, because people believe it has value. Whereas Bitcoin, yeah, I mean, people think it has value, but you can't eat it, and you can't drink it, and it won't keep you safe, and it won't give you a place where you can grow food or raise animals on. And so, now, is it good to have some Bitcoin? Or let's say any kind of cryptocurrency, yeah, it'd probably be good to have a little bit to diversify. So that if one thing goes bad, you don't lose everything. Gold line, I, I like them. Uh, Glenn Beck typically has a promo code, so be sure and use his name if you go there. Uh, see what if there's any freebies that you get. Um, but it's good to have some of that because let's say the U.S. dollar keeps losing its value. You don't want to lose your entire account. You don't want to lose everything that you've worked your life for. And I'm not saying put all of it in silver and gold. That's a foolish thing to do. But you put some of it in silver and gold, and now you've preserved it through time. Now, what are some things that we never, 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 never barter? And it's it's obvious, but we'll explain why. Never barter, never give away, never exchange anything where you're giving away a gun. Never. Same with ammo. Now, it seems pretty obvious, but I'll explain why that gun will be turned on you. Maybe it won't. But the 1% risk of that gun being turned on you is not worth it. That ammo could be turned on you. 
Not worth taking that risk. Not worth it at all. So don't ever barter those things. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Ladies and gentlemen, this has just come to my attention. Then on the 9th of March, the FDA clears CRISPR cattle for meat production. Good Lord, what the hell have we done? CRISPR cattle for meat production. I talked about CRISPR on the last episode. It says in a statement, the FDA said farmers who produce and breed PLRSLIK cattle using conventional breeding techniques would not have to register with the agency. Good Lord. That ne- what are we doing? We've lost it. We've absolutely lost it. This is not a good thing. And the reason for doing this, get this, they're getting rid of the black patches on the cows and putting gray patches on them so they're not as hot in the sun. Great Scott. I know, this is heavy. Have they lost their mind? This is insane. Putting gray patches on a cow instead of a black patch? They've lived with black patches since cows have existed. Wow. Can't, I, I just, I, I, this is insane. I want to thank all of you for coming to listen to me again. I want to say that your prayers worked. Keep praying. Keep praying that we can keep moving this Goliath. I was able to speak with Lieutenant Colonel Chambers and Lieutenant Colonel Long shortly after their testimony. They left the courtroom feeling very good. They encouraged me. Every one of the listeners encouraged all of them. If you don't have a small group, start creating one. Start looking for one. Don't forget it. Reach out to our friends at Terminal CWO. There's various places, but he's got his own app that he's developing. I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can find him more easily. And remember, together we will all make courage more contagious than fear. 